ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. The federal government has failed to meet its own deadline to introduce new laws that will encourage car makers to produce cleaner vehicles. So it started in April last year. The Energy Minister, Chris Bowen, said the preferred model for a fuel efficiency standard would be released by the end of 2023. Well, that has been and gone. And Australia remains one of the only countries in the OECD without a standard. They're pretty common in other countries around the world. Tony Weber is the chief executive for the Federal Chamber Automotive Industries and explains what this standard would do. A fuel efficiency standard would limit the amount of CO2 emitted by all vehicles sold by an individual brand in a year. Okay, so it's not per car. It's not like this car can only put out X amount of uh, greenhouse gases. It's actually the entire car maker. Yeah, so right. it's, it's the average across what each brand sells in a year and then uh, it can be averaged out across the industry too through negotiations depending on the design of the scheme. But it's, it's really important we get one of these put in place. It's important for climate change reasons and CO2 emitted from vehicles is a substantial part of total CO2 emissions. And it's also important that we can continue to bring the best technology to the Australian market. Is the idea of a fuel efficiency standard that you have lower emissions cars and people who are, or companies that are not producing the lower emissions cars would be penalised? That's right. Mm. So... <clears throat> The incentive is to bring low emission vehicles into the marketplace and over time you replace your fleet of 20 million vehicles with a cleaner fleet. So what's important is that people have the capacity to buy new vehicles that are lower emitting. So key to that is the fact that they are affordable and they meet their needs for both family and work purposes. Does that mean, if we're bringing in a cap, or, and one day I assume we will, that essentially only electric vehicles will be the ones that can meet emissions, or are traditionally fuelled cars going to still be in the mix? Well, that depends on the design of the scheme, and this is why it's so important to get it right. What it should do is reduce CO2 out of the back of the vehicle. A gram of CO2 is a gram of CO2, so it should set a target that's ambitious but achievable, and it should be technology neutral, because... For the government, it doesn't matter how that improvement is uh, developed, whether that's through some form of petrol or diesel or whether it's a full electric vehicle. All they need is the outcome of actually reducing CO2 from the tailpipe. Okay, so we might still be able to have our traditionally fueled cars that won't all be EVs. And you, you keep saying it's really important that we take our time to get this right. So what are your concerns? What are you worried about if it's rushed through? So if it's rushed through... And it's too ambitious. There are segments of the Australian market in which, amongst the mainstream brands, there are no EVs available in those segments. Now, let's look at that. If you take the uh, the ute market and the large SUVs, which represent about 35% of total sales last year, in the mainstream brands, there is no pure EVs in that segment, those segments of the market. So what are those people who buy those cars, what do they drive? Because they need to keep buying those cars. They might be tradies or farmers or whatever. It's not like they can just choose a different style of car. 
Absolutely. They need a car that meets their needs for both work and for their family needs. And it's really important that we recognise this because it's one question to change the amount of CO2, but another question if the government dictates that you can't drive a certain type of car by default. And I don't think that's what the ambition of this scheme should be about. So that's talking about low emissions cars. But what about trucks? What about other heavy vehicles? One company is exploring a multi-million dollar project and it's about transporting freight between South Australia and Victoria using zero emissions. And that is using hydrogen. Countrywide Hydrogen Managing Director Jeff Druckner tells Bekchave what exactly it's going to involve. A hydrogen highway will comprise the production of hydrogen at selected locations where transport corridors have the greatest volumes of heavy road transport. The production of hydrogen and that will be matched by a uh, refuelling station to allow vehicles to come by and uh, refuel their fuel cell trucks or cars which are hydrogen powered. Okay, maybe we need to take a step back and can you explain to us how hydrogen fueled vehicles work? What is hydrogen fuel? Hydrogen fuel is a gas. It's dispensed into a vehicle very much the same way as LPG would be put into a taxi or a, or a commercial vehicle. But as a gas, it goes through the engine of a, of a fuel cell vehicle, which is the fuel cell. And that fuel cell, when it allows hydrogen as a gas to meet with air, it creates an electric current. And the electric current is what drives the car. So they're basically, or, the, or car or truck. So basically they're an electric vehicle, but they don't have a big battery like a, like a battery electric vehicle has. It has a fuel cell. That fuel cell takes the hydrogen, mixes it with oxygen and creates an electric current to drive the vehicle. So does it have a tank that you actually fill up? How big is that tank? Yeah, it's got, well, I've got a, I've got a fuel cell, a Mirai, a Toyota, Toyota Mirai. It's got two tanks. One tank is under the the rear seat of the vehicle. The other tank is along the transmission hump um, in the middle of the vehicle. Together, those two tanks hold six kilograms of hydrogen, which probably doesn't mean much to anybody, but that six kilograms of hydrogen can be refueled in about three minutes, and that six kilograms of hydrogen will take that car at least 600 kilometres. To refill the vehicle will cost around $50 if the hydrogen's purchased from one of our um, hydrogen refueling stations. And so you're looking to create this highway to stretch, what, from Adelaide to Melbourne? Adelaide to Melbourne. So the highways comprise two elements to them. One is supplying hydrogen to vehicles that operate in a particular precinct, so whether it's around Mount Gambier, anywhere in the, um, in the Green Triangle, around Portland, where goods are being um, taken from and projects being taken to port or to cities like Mount Gambier, as well as vehicles that go from major ports and major capital cities like Adelaide and Melbourne into regional areas and then from regional areas back to those capital cities. So what we do is identify what are the routes that are are the heaviest um, for road transport because heavy road transport accounts for 5% of our our nation's emissions, which is a lot. So our goal is to have a huge impact on those emissions, abate those emissions by transitioning vehicles from diesel to hydrogen. To do that, we need to identify where best to produce the hydrogen and where best to have the hydrogen available. So there's no anxiety about not being able to get to a refuelling station to refuel. There are other ways to reduce their carbon footprint. 
Another business is using an electric truck to transport logs from plantations to mills. So that's in the forestry industry. Managing Director Wendy Fennell explains why this company went down that path. I could see there were targets being set by both government and corporate bodies and we need to determine how we're going to meet those targets. And in the heavy vehicle transport industry, it's not a change that can happen overnight. Lowering emissions is a long-term strategy that needs to be starting to work through now. Hence why I started this trial. We're nine months into a two-year trial to see if these technologies uh, actually work in real operations. You're nine months into the trial now. How has it gone so far, I guess, just anecdotally? Yeah, it's gone well. So operationally, it's it's proving itself. Um, We're still working with government around the policy and the framework and regulations. We can't yet cut the same mass as a for like uh, diesel B-double. So we're two tonne under that at the moment because the electric vehicle is two tonne heavier. So we need to increase the mass that we cut and we're stepping through that with the government around their infrastructure and, um, and so forth. And then looking at the economics of the uh, trial as well in regards to there's not energy credit uh, schemes in place yet where we get diesel fuel rebates. The incentive side around converting to zero emission vehicles, whether it's electric or hydrogen, um, don't seem to be in place in practice. So just stepping through how uh, this works economically, what customers and government alike are prepared to pay for zero emission vehicles. From a practicality standpoint, how has it been in terms of the existing infrastructure to charge electric vehicles? Um, has there been enough of that to allow for freighting? No, it hasn't. So I had to invest in my own infrastructure um, because there's not public infrastructure available. And so my truck needs to come back to my depot each time to swap the batteries out and they then are put on charge. It's a swap-and-go system, so the truck doesn't have to stand still any longer than 10 or 15 minutes. Um, And then another set of batteries goes into the charger, and that can be programmed to charge at uh, off-peak times if required, so we're not drawing on the grid when everyone else is. Yeah, the charging side of it has worked uh, seamlessly. 